right. I'm Ashley and I'm an addict. Hey, Ashley. Um, yeah. I love this room. I haven't been in this room in like over two years. It's kind of insane. I've been coming to this, this friendship center since I was like 17. It's kind of a trip. I'm 30 now. <laughs> I don't know if that's depressing or like a good thing. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I grew up around here. Um, I come from a long line of alcoholics and addicts. Uh, I, uh, I started coming into these rooms um, first when I was 14. Um, I got really hammered. And um, my mom was in the, in the program at the time. Um, and she brought me into a meeting. And uh, it was so funny. Like, I, uh, they went to pray out at the end. And everyone was holding hands. And I was like, in my head, I was like, this guy likes me. <laughs> <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> but um, I didn't really, like, start trying to get sober. Like, actually want to be sober until I'd say around like 19. Um, my mom forced me to start coming around 17. Um, and I would just come and I'd pick up all the cigarette butts because I'm a ratchet. And I would like go on my roof and smoke all the butts. I'd find one that was like, like somebody took like two puffs off of it. And I'd be like, yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> some people are wasters, but um, <laughs> yeah, so. Um, I, around 19, uh, started having some consequences. Um, I, uh, you know, was crashing cars and um, getting things taken away, uh, upsetting my parents and stuff. Um, and I got into a little bit of a stint with uh, pain pills. Um, that's really only my qualifying thing for being in this meeting in particular. I just got to be real with you guys. I'm not a heroin addict. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I loved opiate pills, um, dilated specifically. Mm -hmm. well, um, yeah. So I, I, I can't qualify in that way. And I really don't think that drugs are, um, you don't really have to be super specific, but uh, yeah, I, I overdosed on those. Um, and my mom got me to uh, see, she was just like, like, I don't know, they narcaned me in the hospital and that was the first time I've ever been like really violent with somebody that I didn't know, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I was so mean to this nurse and I felt really, I was like, why am I acting this way? Cause I didn't realize that I was like physically addicted to this stuff. Um, and then I kicked in bed for the next like three days and I thought I was dying. And I told my mom, I was like, I need to go to the hospital. Like, I think my kidneys burst in my back. <laughs> like, something's going on. She's like, no, you're fine. Um, so yeah, I, uh, around that time, I, I started going into, uh, I started going into like Christian programs. My parents are very religious and I was raised in a very like religious household. Um, my grandpa was the pastor and from an early age, I had this idea of God or, you know, a higher power that was kind of like judgmental and like all seeing and like, I don't know. I just had a lot of shame and guilt about the person that I was just because like I had this like 
I live this double life, you know, like at one point in time, I was a youth pastor (laughs) and I was like getting loaded on the weekends by myself. Um, My parents homeschooled me. So I was um, a big dork, Uh, loved Harry Potter, was like just really still do. Yes, (laughs) forever. I yeah I'm still a dork like I will never (laughs) not be a dork it's just in my blood um but because I was homeschooled I did a lot of my drugs by myself um and I kind of liked it that way honestly I don't like being like embarrassed like in front of people and a lot of times when I'm doing drugs I do shit that's embarrassing (laughs) like I'm, I'm not a classy type of person um I'm you know, like throw up on yourself type of person, um, disgusting type of person. And, uh, yeah, so I did a lot of drugs by myself and, uh, I don't know, I, at some point, um, I just got really lonely and I, I saw that like my using was creating more like guilt and shame and like pain in my life than it was like happiness. Um, so I, I tried going into the like halfway house that was um I was up in LA and it was just basically like a flop house (laughs) um but it was like like of course like a Christian flop house um you know like flop house for Jesus so it was okay and um I don't know I stayed there for like uh 11 months and I stayed sober and I was going to celebrate recovery I didn't really do any of their like steps or anything. I just thought like by osmosis, I'd get this thing. And um, I don't know. I was like, well, AA is like a problem because they take away like the religion of it. You know, like I had it in my head that like, I don't know. I was just like, like really into that kind of stuff. Um, growing up, it was hard for me to like see that there could be something else other than what I had always been taught. Um, And it really wasn't until recently that I kind of branched out from that. Um, I can say that um, AAHANACA has all really grown my spirituality and my outlook on God. And um, I don't know, I I tend to take a more inclusive look at things now versus exclusivity um, when it comes to uh, beliefs and belief systems which is really cool because I was always raised with like a idea that like your beliefs are wrong and ours is right. If you don't believe this way, you're going to hell, you know? Um, So it's cool for me to be able to incorporate other things and be like open-minded, you know? Um, So yeah, I stayed there for a while and um, I honestly, like the last few times I relapsed, I, I would have to say that my codependency had a lot to do with it. Um, I mean, and given the fact that I wasn't actually working any sort of program, um, I tend to get over-involved in other people's problems and their drinking and I'm trying to fix them or um, get them to stop. And um, along the way, I end up just joining them. Um, so yeah, I, I did relapse after having like 11 months then. And um, I moved back home because I told my parents the night after what had happened they're like okay we kind of trust you now because like you're actually being honest with us like you told us right out the bat like what you had done and stuff and um also we can't keep affording to pay for this flop house so (laughs) it's not working 
Um, so I moved back home and um, after that relapse, I, I accumulated two years of sobriety. And um, I was going to meetings maybe like once a month though. I was just kind of like, and I was doing step work. Like I had a sponsor and um, I would do step work and I got up to like my seventh step or something in like two years. I was just like really like taking my time. <laughs> It's like the slow way is the right way. But during that time, because I didn't get through the steps, like my mind was still driving me absolutely insane. You know, like the steps have been my only solution to calm the storm that is my mind. Um, and uh, so during that time, I was just uh, kind of just acting out on different things, you know, um, mainly like my codependency. My mom had a a serious accident and um, I was taking care of her um, at home and stuff and then after the accident when she got better her and my dad um, they had had nine years of sobriety and they went back out again um, and I got really involved in their relapse and was trying to like fix their marriage and just you know conducting all these things like I'm all powerful and I can actually say things like that and um so I uh I ended up relapsing again and my first night out I got a DUI it was like instant consequences for my actions um spent a night in a cell in San Bernardino um yeah it's crazy because I was literally a block away from my destination like and my car was smoking I had totaled my car and was still driving it somehow <laughs> and block away it's just and in I remember being in that cell and I had like rolled up a, a you know a piece of toilet paper like a roll of toilet paper and was just laying on it on the cell floor and I was like I'm gonna get sober like, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to do everything they tell me to do. I'm going to get a sponsor. I'm going to work all those stupid fucking steps. I'm going to do everything. And then as soon as I got out, I got in the car with my mom. And um, she was like, you know, it's kind of cool that we're all like, like openly drinking now. Like now we can all kind of drink in the house together. And I was like, wait, you're not kicking me out? Like, I have a place to drink and it's like chill. And just like that, like my mind was like, okay, we'll just, and I was just like, okay, this time though, I'm only gonna drink. I'm not gonna do all that other stuff. You know, I'm, I'm just gonna drink. I'm just gonna smoke weed maybe, you know, but that's it. But the problem is, is like, as soon as I started drinking, I don't give a shit. I'm like, oh, you guys got Coke? Cool. Like, I'll try some of that. That was never my problem. Coke is never my problem, you know? I'll do that. Um, and then I was like, you know what? Like, I really do have really bad ADHD, so I should go to a doctor. Um, I went to a doctor, and I for sure had ADHD. I mean, I took the test and, like, just kept hitting the button. Like, like faked it, you know? I was like, what would an ADHD? ADHD person do <laughs> oh they would hit this button a lot for sure um so they prescribed me a lot of Adderall and um I started taking that on a daily basis and um 
I don't know. I, I did physically impossible things on Adderall. Like literally, <laughs> I used to be like 300 pounds. This is part of my story, but I used to be about 300 pounds and um, I biked a marathon on Adderall at 300 pounds. It's physically, it's like the equivalent of like a mother lifting a car. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know how it happened, but it happened. Adderall. <laughs> like, yeah, I feel like it should be an advertisement. <laughs> Sometimes I miss that part. I'm like, fuck, dude, like I can do so much. But at the end of the day, like I really wasn't doing a lot. You know, like I still wasn't maintaining a job. I like was like nannying and like occasionally we would run out of gas in my car with the kids in the car because I spent money on drugs and I didn't have money to fill up my gas tank. Um, I was such a shitty nanny. I don't know who let me in charge of their kids. <laughs> um, yeah, in the end, I mean, I stayed out after those two years, I stayed out for about um, almost a year. And during that time, I almost got arrested a couple of times. Luckily, my dad is a sergeant <laughs> in the police department. So um, I got out of being arrested several times because of that. Um, and uh, I eventually ended up taking a lot of, um, a lot of pills and I went into psychosis, which I didn't think would happen from just taking pills. Like, I didn't think your mind could just break like that. Like, I always pushed my body to its limits <laughs> and it gave out. My brain was like, yo, fuck you. Like, we're done. Um, I'm checking out now. And I, uh, at the time, was, was supposed to be dog sitting for my grandpa. And I guess in psychosis, I was walking around his dog in my underwear around their senior living center. <laughs> don't remember any of it. Driving in psychosis. I guess the main thing was is that I didn't want to wear pants. Um, so anytime anyone approached me about wearing pants is when I got really hostile. Um, which eventually led to me being hospitalized. Um, I, my little sisters who were living with me and my parents at the time um, had been holding this laptop hostage and I wanted the laptop. And um, in my psychosis, I had told them that if they didn't give it to me, I would pour water on it or something. I was saying all kinds of wild stuff. I was in psychosis. I don't remember any of this stuff. Um, what I do vaguely remember is pushing my, 14 year old sister at the time against a wall and holding her there by her throat. And I caught glimpses of that um, when I came out of psychosis a couple of days into the psych ward that I was in. Um, and I was just mortified. I was like, like because my parents were alcoholics, um, I spent a lot of my childhood taking care of my younger sisters. They were my babies. Like I literally changed their diapers. I would put them to bed when my parents passed out. I made sure that they were okay. And for me to put my hands on my little sister was like just insane to me. Um, it was the lowest of the lowest I've ever been. And I just couldn't believe that I would do something like that. 
and it made me kind of realize that like I just didn't want to live anymore like I didn't feel like I deserved life anymore um and that everybody would be better off if I didn't exist just because I had harmed so many people around me um so while I was in the psych ward I tried to kill myself um obviously it didn't work out like <laughs> here I suck at killing myself I tried a couple times in the past it's just not sticking um <laughs> I was very innovative this time though. Like I had like one of those ropes, the hospital gowns, and I tied one of the ties that they put at the back on my neck and tied the other one to a knob on the bathroom. And the psych wards, you gotta get super, you know, like you become an inventor. Um, and I did, and I, I sat down. And then as soon as I sat down and it tightened around my neck, I got this feeling like, I can't die like this. <laughs> like, like I literally just choked my little sister out. Like this is gonna be their last memory of me. Like, how does that leave me? You know, like how does that leave them? They're gonna be so much more fucked up because of me. Um so I wimped out and then I punched the sink and I broke my finger. I got into treatment with a broken finger from punching a sink, and everyone's like, What is that from? Like, I don't know. I don't know. But um I had a woman approach me while I was in there um, who had sponsored my mom and she approached me about going into treatment. And uh, at first I told her I'd think about it. Um, she really sold it too. She's like, we have equine therapy. Um, there's, you know, massage therapy, acupuncture. This place is bougie as fuck. And I was just, you know, I'm homeless. Like my dad told me I can't come back to the house. I have nothing going for me. And I honestly just like wanted to die. But like, at the same time, I was like, I'll think about it, you know, <laughs> like got to make her wait, make her sweat. You know? um, and then that night I was journaling in there and I was just like, like going through all the things that I could do. Um, it's like, I could suck dick and live on the streets. <laughs> and then I like, there, like you can see in my journal, there's like this ellipsis and I go like, Ashley, what are you writing right now? You're gonna go suck dick on the streets so that you can continue getting high rather than go to some cushy treatment center. <laughs> like, who, who are you? What are you thinking? Like, obviously you need help. Um, so I decided to accept the help. I think the biggest thing was just like, I was scared to try again. I thought I had tried and that I had failed and that I was just one of those people in the beginning of the big book that they talk about that were, um, you know, incapable of being honest and, or that I was too mentally defective to be, you know, um, completely honest with others and myself. Um, but that wasn't true, you know, uh, this time around, I decided to just go full force and get super about it. Um, I was driving my sponsor crazy. I called her every day. I did gratefuls every day. I did affirmations every day. I did whatever the fuck people told me to, because I don't know shit. I still don't know shit. And I stay that way because the second I know, like having years of sobriety and losing it is like, time doesn't mean anything. It really doesn't. Like you can be five years sober and be the sickest person in the room. Like it's just, I mean, it takes away the physical craving if you have time away from it, obviously. 
but your head can still be so sick that you still crave, you know? Um, so that, I mean, working the steps the first time around was really great for me. Um, I just, I was actually, it, it fully sunk in this time and doing my fourth, I saw that even in the cases of like abuse or, um, you know, rape or whatever, um, the things that I was like, well, I don't have any sort of part in this. My sponsor kind of pointed out, she was like, well, how did you treat yourself after that? And I was like, yeah, I guess I was like really mean to myself after that. And I was, you know, um, it was kind of cool to see that um, I could make amends to people, you know, when I got to my ninth step and like owning up to my shit and being honest and um, working towards gaining my family's trust back, especially my little sisters, um, just hearing them say that they're like proud of me for where I was at and, um, you know, that they would work on trust. I mean, it's crazy now. Sometimes I'll hang out with them and they'll say stuff like, I used to have nightmares about you every night. And I'm like, like, really? Like, it's just crazy. You don't think that you're affecting people, but you really are. Um, and it's good to be able to tell them now that like, I'm, you know, and they can like trust me and they know that like, I'm, I'm not gonna be, um, I don't know. They can depend on me is what I mean. You know, I show up for them in their lives whenever they need me to. Um, they're kind of in their own shit right now. I'm pretty sure at least one of them will qualify for these rooms eventually. Um, and it's cool to know that like, event, like if it does come to that, that they can come to me and um, I'll be able to give something back to them. Um, sobriety has been a, a fucking trip. I've done some of the most amazing things. I've had the best experiences of my life. And I've also been through the worst experiences of my life and stayed sober through them. You know, I've met um, some crazy pain and sobriety and overcome it. And I didn't think that was something I was capable of, honestly. Um, I've gone skydiving like three times. I've seen most of my favorite bands live, um, moshed my ass off, you know, like I just... I don't do, like, I am as free as I want to be, and I can go where any free person can go, and I love that part in the big book that says that, because it's, like, I can do whatever the fuck I want, you know, in sobriety. If I want to go and party, like, I can go and party, and I can do it sober, and I can bring allies, and I can, you know, like, I can go anywhere I want to be. Um, you're not limited. You're only as limited as you make yourself. Um, you know, about two years ago, I, uh, so I, I, I got pregnant. <laughs> um, this is a mistake. I mean, it happens, you know, we're not perfect in sobriety. Uh, and, uh, I was, I was pregnant with my best friend and, uh, we hooked up once and it happened and it's just, it can happen from one time, guys. <laughs> one shot. <laughs> it's all it takes. Um, yeah. But uh, 
I I got into my fifth month of pregnancy, you know, I decided to keep the baby and I was just like, oh, I'm sober, you know, like I'm like 20, 28, like who knows if I'll ever get pregnant again. I can take care of this thing. Like I can do things now. Like I've been employed for the last, you know, however long, like four years and I'm doing really good. Um, so I, uh, I got into like my fifth month and my water broke while I was at work and um, I miscarried and it was, it was traumatic, dude. Like it was fucked up. Like I was in the hospital for days in labor and um, I had to hold this baby and say goodbye. And like, like it was not something I ever thought I could live through sober, like that kind of pain, like knowing something that I loved and um, losing it. I never thought that I could do that sober and make it through it. And um, I gotta say, I was I was scared when I was in the hospital. I I reached out to Juanita, my sponsor, my sponsor now, and I was like, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to like greet this and make it through this um, and stay sober. And she was like, come stay with me. And um, I think just staying open and honest and reaching out to others um, kept me in it. I, I don't like my, my faith has changed since then. You know, that was kind of like an eye opener for me that like, you know, I, I tried going back to church after after that. And I was just like, you know, what? like I don't really have like a lot of fun like feelings here. You know, like, I just don't feel God here. Like I feel God or like a higher power in these type of rooms. You know, when I share love with my sponsees and my, my sponsor, and it's just unconditional. And it's like, you don't expect anything back from that person. You know, like, I'm not, um, I don't meet up with my sponsees expecting them to like, do anything crazy. And like, I'm not gonna judge them for anything that they tell me or anything that they do like they can literally fart in the car and I'm like dude like I still love you you know like I'm gonna crack this window but I still love you <laughs> like that to me is like a higher power and um <laughs> not the part itself but like that's like I don't know. It's just changed a lot. And I'm, I'm glad it does. Like, I'm glad it's like that. And I'm glad that I have like a more of a, like a, I don't know, like in the big book, there's a line in it that is probably my all time, one of my top five faves where it's just like, if you think you know what God is, you're not thinking big enough. And to me, that's like so accurate. Like, I don't know what the fuck is out there. I have no idea. Like, tell me what works for you. Great, cool. Maybe I'll incorporate it into my life. And um, yeah, it's just, it's rad. Um, being able to, to live through stuff like that and come back and be stronger. Like, you know, I got a promotion at my job that I don't think I would have gotten had I not gone through that. Like somehow going through that kind of pain made me kind of fearless in some ways and it kind of made me like the baddest bitch version of myself where I can stand up for myself and say things that I normally before that couldn't you know I didn't really like I wasn't very assertive and I wasn't very but like after something like that it changes you and um 
now I've, I've kind of incorporated that into like my work life and, um, people trust me to make big decisions. You know, I'm an operations director at the place that I went to treatment and, um, I don't know. I don't know why they trust me to make decisions like that. Like, I just don't get it. But at the same time, like, it's really, really cool. Um, just working in a place where I actually believe in and I know that like it's making some sort of difference, you know, and I get like one in one contact with other addicts and alcoholics. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm super grateful for my life today. Um, I'm probably the most like stable. I haven't been to a psych ward in like over six years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For someone who's been to like several, like I was a frequent flyer. <laughs> That's what they call you. <laughs> You're a frequent flyer. And um, I haven't been back to one in, in that long. And, um, you know, my, my relationships with my family look a little bit different now. I have boundaries. I I keep my family at arm's length and that's, it works for me, honestly. Like sometimes your family isn't meant to be the people closest to you and that's okay. You know, you can make a new family and that's what I found here. Um, and I, I, the family that I have is dependable and they show up for me and they, you know, support me when I'm at my lowest. And um, I never thought I would find that honestly and especially not in, fucking room of drunks and addicts like who would have thought that dependable people would be here <laughs> but um anyways that's all i got really thanks for letting me share